0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet. It's time to anchor
1: down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. Our guest today, Andrew Allegretta. Andrew comes to us on the guest line that's brought to you by Sutherland and Belk a family-owned injury law firm. If you or your loved ones have been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins us today. We'll talk some hoops and probably a little more baseball. The reason is we're doing this on Thursday morning. I'm literally sitting here watching the start of Texas A&M in Florida So by the time we talk basketball, get it to places where people find these, it'll be almost dated. But I feel like, Andrew, we've got to acknowledge a pretty good performance by Vanderbilt against Georgia in the opening round of the SEC tournament. And by the way, welcome to the show. I think I got that out of order, but um, we lost our manners there for a moment.
0: I think we're casual at this point. We can we are. Right It's like the It's like the doctor's visit that skips the how are you doing. It's like, let's get right to business. It's almost um, like a
1: compliment, right? You, <laughs> almost. Um, I think
0: I just told you. Yeah, almost. I think I just told you this. Um, it was so good of a performance that by the time I got my son to sleep last night, Vandy was already up 30 to 10 or whatever the exact total was. Yeah. Um, And I watched most of the game from there. Um, It was fun, first and foremost, right, Uh, to watch Vandy clobber anybody, regardless of the current mental state of Georgia, which clearly is not great. Um, I did chuckle a little bit at the SEC Network broadcast last night as they kind of uh, were mystified over the strugglings of Coach Crean down in Athens there because it was, oh, they took – You know, he took Dwayne Wade and Marquette to the final four and then did a pretty good job uh, rebuilding Indiana under the circumstances, and it's collapsed underneath him at Georgia. Um, So that was kind of an interesting little segment to watch, but they were great. Um, And Georgia's not good, so that's fine. But I mean, you and I have talked enough, Chris. My basic principle is clobber the teams that you're supposed to clobber. Um, if, if that's what you're supposed to do in that particular game, great. Like I'm not going to undercut the performance just because it's, it's Georgia. So be it. They took care of business. Pippen with 14 points. Wright had 11. Studi had 11. Dazoni came off the bench and had 10. They did what they were supposed to do. And when you've got nights like that, you just enjoy it.
1: Well, Scottie Pippen Jr. had a streak of, what, seven straight 20-point games? snapped i've seen his whole career this is the best i've seen him play and i mean you, you didn't need him out there which was a great luxury to have for alabama but my goodness that kid has just played out of his mind recently as vanderbilt is really needed it i mean unfortunately you, know, you can look past and say boy if you'd had some guys healthy maybe the season looks different um we could play the what if game all day but i just think What is in front of us is the what is is he's been so good the last month and a half. It's just been incredible the level at which he's played.
0: Now, he's been fun to watch, um, and you appreciate these players while you have them, whether it's a Shane Foster or a Scottie Pippen Jr. You just appreciate them while you have them. Um, Here's one of the weird things about the whole tournament, too. Do I wish Vanderbilt didn't need to play on day one? Of course. However... And you might know more about this than I do. Uh, My understanding with the NIT, and I'm sure everybody can make exceptions, I don't know if they're really in the mix for the NIT or not. First off, try to go win the tournament and try to get to the NCAA tournament. That's step number one. But if that doesn't happen, by playing on day one and at least collecting a victory, it gives you the chance to finish at or above 500, which, again, my understanding of the NIT, at least after eight years of the WNIT, uh, was you have to at least be 500 to be considered. Uh, so I don't know if that's a possibility for them, but at least collecting a victory at the SEC tournament um, can help you finish at or above 500, which which is just one of those growth point markers and maybe opens the door for postseason play.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure the NIT rules, but... Um... I guess we'll be looking them up soon enough. But in any case, yeah, a, like, like, like you said, I, go win that, the tournament, I, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to go win the tournament, but uh, again, that was you know eight years of the WNIT. That was always the starting point. You have to finish at least at five hundred. I don't know if that carries water for the NIT or not. Uh, I probably should know. Um, but again, like at least you can sit here and say whether you go get this one as we sit here now tonight against Alabama or not, which. You feel like maybe Vandy owes Alabama one after the first game. Um, you know, uh, you can at least finish at or above 500, which is which is notable. Like these things aren't worth uh, striking off.
1: Well, for our audience, we will talk some more hoops in the coming days. Tournaments are just terribly difficult to schedule podcasts around because <laughs> you want to talk about what happens, but like I said, literally the minute you get it up, it's almost outdated. So we'll we'll do. Oh goodness! We'll either do a season review podcast, probably with Sam Phelan, if it ends here, or if they beat Alabama, Sam and I'll probably do a "Hey, they beat Alabama. Uh, what's what's next?" And then that one woman turn <laughs> be be soon outdated. But just to let our audience know, um, it, it we would probably talk a little more basketball, but it's gonna just be, you know, like I said, borderline irrelevant soon and and plus yeah it's tough
0: to schedule evergreen content yes yes it's
1: not a uh tournament uh, uh mixture but we have a little more time towards baseball and and the next games there and you were in hawaii for what i thought was a really strong performance by vanderbilt
0: yeah great performance um i don't know how good hawaii is or isn't um but I don't wanna take away from what Vanderbilt did. Uh, We've been asking for the offense uh, to come together and to click, and it did. I'm telling you, everything I heard going into that week was the ballpark plays big. The dimensions are small, but the ballpark is supposed to play big, in part because of the wind, um, in part because of, I guess, just the humidity uh, in the air kind of knocks down the baseballs. It's just weighted there. And the offense was great. I think it was 34 total runs through the first three games, so 36 total between all four. Um, Carter Young hits his first two home runs of the season. Tate Colwick had an absolute blast to center field, I guess in the first game, a three-run home run. And then Spencer Jones uh, got off the home run schneid and hit the game-winning home run on um, Sunday. The offense was there for Vanderbilt. Um, And again, I don't know how good or not the Hawaii pitching staff is. But again, if you've asked this offense to kind of take some strides, uh, click, start hitting more home runs, start getting more extra base hits, um, as Brooks Webb and, of course, Coach Corbin always says, playing connected offense, uh, stringing hits together, stringing walks together, producing runs, they did exactly what was asked of them. It was a really good performance offensively, and I have not even touched about the pitching staff, which was... Also pretty darn good as well, Chris.
1: Yeah, it was. And I want to ask you something, because I, you may have talked to Tim Corbin about it. Um, there's a media availability today, which I thought was on Zoom. I just realized that was in person. So now, I won't get a chance to ask him this myself. But um, moving Patrick Riley to the third start. And putting Nick Maldonado in the fourth starting role, I know it was a strange schedule. You don't ever play four-game series on the weekend if you're Vanderbilt. you got a seven-inning game. you got the travel. you got a ton of variables in there. But I'm wondering if we read anything into that. <sighs> Say that one more time, Chris. I'm just trying to process it. Well, I, look. If they go according to what they've gone all year, Maldonado would have started second or third. Instead, he started fourth. Patrick Riley got his first start of the year. Is that a harbinger of something to come?
0: I think my gut from all of this, and this is not from talking specifically with Coach Corbin or talking specifically with Coach Brown, um, my read on all of this is Chris McElbane and Carter Halton are going to be weekend starters throughout the course of the year, provided something crazy doesn't happen. Fingers crossed, right? Um, And then that third spot is going to be fluid. Um, I think they really do like, Chris, um, kind of that Tampa Rays model of pitching where you don't necessarily hand the baseball to somebody for eight innings. You hand it to Chris McElveen for five, and Pat Riley for four on Friday, and you feel great about it. um, That's how the plan might come together. Um, But if it works out in a fashion that Pat Riley can be your Sunday starter, that's great too. If Nick Maldonado continues to grow and develop as a starting pitcher, we know what he can do as a bullpen arm. As a starting pitcher, then he becomes your Sunday guy too. But there's also other options in the mix as well. Devin Futrell is young, but he's looked good in the midweeks. I think there's a lot of options on the table. The only thing I feel relatively certain with is is McElfain and Holton are going to be two of your starters. Um, But I would keep that in the back of your mind. Um, There is is something about Pat Riley coming out of the bullpen, throwing 98-99 for three to four innings, and getting you to a victory on a Friday night with Chris McIlvain that I think they like, or or if McIlvain goes seven, you save Pat and he connects with Carter, that connected style of pitching. So I think there's a lot of things on the table. And, And the one thing I would add about Nick Maldonado, which I've brought up in the broadcast, and maybe people have heard me say this, and Coach Corbin has talked about this, expecting the same thing from Nick Maldonado right this second that Chris McIlvain has provided is not fair to Nick in the sense that number one, Chris McIlvain pitched in the summer and pitched a whole bunch in the fall. Nick Maldonado was on armrest for the bulk of the summer and into the fall. So he had limited reps getting ready to be a starting pitcher. And then you tack on the fact that Nick Maldonado has not been a starter since his junior year of high school because he missed all of his senior year of high school with an injury. So you're talking about a very long time with limited reps uh, since Nick Maldonado has been a starter. So I I don't think writing off Nick Maldonado just yet is a very fair thing to do, at least from Nick's perspective. We know he's an ultra talented pitcher. Um, He needs to do more things. Uh, Coach Corbin has talked about the fact that and I don't have the pitches right in front of me, so so bear with me, but the pitches that he's throwing, he needs to land more of the off-speed stuff consistently for strikes because he doesn't have just the pure juice off of his fastball to carry him as as a starting pitcher. Uh, so he's got to do more things to be effective in that role, uh, but he has not had the same reps and opportunities that Chris McIlvain or others have had.
1: Yeah, and just for full disclosure on and- what I think I'm thinking a lot of people are thinking, too. He just was so good in that in-game role last year. It worked so well. I still think you got some uncertainty there. I think that's where a lot of the question comes. It's not to me that – I mean, I, I don't know if Nick works or doesn't work as a starter, um, but it's just keeping in mind how good he was in that role last year and the long-term change – what was working for you so well there. And I mean, and not that they haven't thought of this either. Right. I just, I think that's how no, the I public in fairness views it. to the kid, right? Like in fairness to Nick,
0: there's a desire for him personally to be a starting pitcher. He wants to be able to prove he can do that. And uh, he has been such a team guy that he put the work in to become a starter. He's got the competitiveness to be a starter. He's got the moxie to be the starter. Um, that that you want to at least flush out the opportunity. I'm not saying that they're going to do anything that limits their opportunity to win ball games. I don't think anybody on the team expects Coach Corbin to just hand opportunities for the sake of it. Um, they're going to do what's best for the team. Um, but I, I think when you put the whole picture together, yes, Nick Maldonado proved he can be the bullpen guy but there's this opportunity as the starter and that may change right like if you told me i get the game notes from josh foster later today and it says um game one chris mckelvain game two carter holton game three tbd i wouldn't be shocked um just because clearly chris and carter have separated themselves as two very good starting pitchers um but Again, going back to kind of where Nick is in his growth, you can understand why they'd want to give this another another weekend, especially in the non-conference, before you get to Missouri to open up SEC play to really feel like if this is the best option or not. Um, so it, it, it's the benefit of depth, right? Every other, every other program in the country, not every, but a lot of them would be sitting on Chris McElveen, Carter Halton, pat riley and say well they all have to be weekend starters we don't have an option because we can't pitch connected like vanderbilt can right we don't have a christian little sitting there we don't have a devin futrell sitting there we don't have a nick maldonado sitting there these are the options that you have when you've got the depth of talent that vandy does um and it gives you the leash to figure it all out throughout the course of non-conference play you kind of gear up and play your best baseball in May and June.
1: Uh, you know that little line I threw out a few minutes ago about us being closer to, <laughs> you know, to, to basketball play than than baseball and windows of time and all that? Um We got some breaking news as we're speaking. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, in yeah, case you have not right. heard, yeah, they have moved the Saturday game to Friday, so there will now be a doubleheader. I'm literally getting this email as we're doing the podcast. Um, let's see. I guess they're both nines. It doesn't say. Let me just read my you some. My understanding
0: is they're both nine.
1: Okay. They're both nine. Uh, the game I will think, be
0: beginning. I think. That's my understanding. That's my okay. understanding.
1: Well, I would I would think that if they weren't both nine, it would be in the press release. Let's see what else is in here. Fans need to know. Gates open at 930, concessions open at 11, parking available on 20th Avenue garage, 25th Avenue garage from floors 9 to 11. Uh, let's see what else is in here. And, of course, this is because it's going to be just because, it, of course, the, you know, the weather gods know when baseball is coming to Nashville. So it gets brutally cold uh, just in time. We've, we, I don't know how many times we've gone over this on the podcast, but if you didn't believe us, you do now. Uh, let's see what else is in here. Fans need to know this season of the Vandy sports podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville and just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees. Movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is it is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Saturday's game ticket will allow access
0: to the first game of Friday's doubleheader.
1: Yeah, that's where I was going. So I, I think that, look, we've we put up a little blurb on the site as we're speaking, do a little copy and paste there. So uh, in the meantime, Texas AM's running at Florida out of the gym early. Um, <laughs> keep an eye. There's, there's just too much going on here, man. I'm. <laughs> Baseball, basketball, podcasts. It's, you, wanna, uh,
0: you honestly want to know that the benefit of the setup that we decided to do here at Vanderbilt between me and Kevin, this is this is the moment in which it benefits. Because yes, I, I can sit here and prep 100 percent for baseball and maximize my time for baseball and give my best effort to baseball. While Kevin can also give his best effort toward basketball. Neither program gets cheated. You want to know the moments in which the setup works great right this second.
1: <laughs> I need to clone one of you and bring you to my side. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's ADD Central here at the Lee House. But um, <laughs> I, wonder, I did want to hit on the, the hitting because we haven't really gone there yet. You touched on the power display. I thought that was pretty impressive this weekend. They really hit the ball with authority. And they also didn't strike out as much. Uh, Dominic Keegan really made contact the whole weekend. And again, I don't know how good Hawaii is. I don't want to jump to conclusions. But there's been some games this year where they were playing some teams that weren't great and they were scoring runs, but a lot of times it was benefit of other teams kicking the ball around the infield and stuff like that or misplays in the outfield. That series was different. Uh, For sure, right. And to your point, I don't think Hawaii is great. With
0: all due respect to Hawaii, they've got a first-year head coach, they're kind of in the middle of the Big West these days. Um, but to your point, Vandy also played Central Arkansas and scored five. And an Army team that is good but not great and scored seven or six. Or even an Evansville team and scored nine. But most of it was done through, you know, small ball. Uh, so they, they connected in a big way against Fly. Um There's a lot that you could focus in on. I think a couple of things really stand out. Um, First off, the home runs, which I touched on. Um, But the other one is Davis Diaz. Um, Yeah. I think there was – I don't know if uncertainty is the right word about his offense. His glove, his demeanor, his makeup, all of that sort of stuff was a known commodity. As Brooks Webb calls him, he's a gamer. Uh, Brooks has known Davis Diaz since he was 12, part of the USA baseball system. Uh, before Brooks, I guess, even worked at Vanderbilt. Um, so they've understood what sort of gamer Davis Diaz is. But in terms of his bats and what he can do offensively, I, I think there may have been some sort of, okay, let's see it. We think, but we let, we want to see it. Um, he's been so good. Not just, not just good for a freshman. He's been so good. He has earned every at-bat he's getting in a two-spot over the past couple of games and here's what I like as much as anything about Davis Diaz is his approach at the plate, his patience and his command of the strike zone. Davis has not, and it will change as the pitching elevates. Okay. Period. Full stop. It's going to get more difficult as, as the pitching elevates in the same way that this season, it's become more difficult for Enrique Bradfield jr. As the scouting reports are more in depth. Okay. Okay but he is not chasing after pitches. If he falls behind 0-2, he can work his way back into account and make it 3-2. and 2. Um, He has worked a number of walks. I think his on-base percentage last week was somewhere in the 600s. His batting average was somewhere in the 500s. Um, he did it with a couple of doubles, so he's shown gap power. Uh, he is someone that, that really could bolster the lineup. I, I, I think... You know, my take last year during the College World Series, and I know it wasn't fair because um, because I do think they finished the regular season as the number one offensive team in the conference based on batting average. So stepping into the College World Series and, and, and seeing some of the offensive struggles probably wasn't fair. Um, however, it really felt like they could use one more bat somewhere <laughs> just to balance out something within the lineup. Um, and I don't know if Davis Diaz is that quote-unquote three or four hitter that's a dude that plays in the middle of the lineup, but him in there, a growth point from Spencer Jones, and all of a sudden you feel very intrigued about the depth and the structure of this lineup. Brooks Webb made a fantastic point during one of our broadcasts this past week. It's almost like Vanderbilt has – to top of the orders, and his point is yeah. this: it went right. It went, it went one, two, three, four. Bradfield, Davis, Diaz, Spencer, Jones, Dom Keegan. That's a pretty well refined one, two, three, four. Well, up next, what did it go? It went. Vaz. I think it went at times. Hobby Vaz at five. Jack Bolger at six. And let's just say, Tate Colwick at seven and Carter Young at eight. That's the same thing as one, two, three, four. So they went they went back to back, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. If you've got that sort of structure, boy, it's awfully compelling. Guys have to perform, and it gets harder once Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee kick into high gear for SEC play. But just the building pieces that you have, if you're coach Baxter, if you're coach Corbin, boy, it's, it's awfully compelling. And we have not seen the best Enrique Bradfield yet. We've not seen the best Carter Young yet. We'll see if Parker Nolan can find his footing because they believe there's a lot of potential there as well. But what if Gavin Cassis steps up at first base or something along those lines? Um, it's it's uh, for, for, for an offense that we watched go up against Oklahoma State and kind of go, ooh, I don't know, and then Army and go, ooh, I don't know, um, there, there's, there's something there and you don't want to overinflate one weekend against Hawaii, but you can see the structure of like, okay, this is where we think it can go offensively and it's awfully dangerous.
1: Well, look, the most it, the, the best thing you can do on offense is get on base. You've got a guy who's proven he's a lead in that before. And then Bradfield jr. has he looked like the full on Enrique Bradfield jr. of last year, yet no. I suspect that's coming. I, I don't know that he'll go 450 something on base again, but I think he'll be really good. Um, Diaz has walked seven times and struck out four. Vaz is five the and five. On base
0: percentage
1: is, is six of, 580
0: is, so far. Yeah. Like, yeah. Davis
1: Diaz on base percentage, 580. Well, and, that, and that's what I'm getting at. You've got one guy who's proven he can do it with the best of them, you got two other guys. Well, Vaz did it last year in the College World Series. Diaz looks legit. Uh, Keegan, by the way, I, th- I think the if you like want one under-the-radar stat to get excited about, and maybe this falls apart when the pitching gets tougher, I don't know, but he's walked nine times and he's struck out seven. He didn't strike out all weekend. To you me, they're, to they're, do it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff underneath the numbers here if you look close enough.
0: I agree wholeheartedly, and I think Dom's weekend, there was one point where Dom was nine for ten. <laughs> Yeah. With a, with a couple of walks against Hawaii. Uh, so he went from batting about 220 to four fifteen, Um, and that's what, that's what one weekend can do in the first month of the season. Um, but man, there's, there's pieces there. You feel like there's more that Jack Bolger, Tate Colwick, Carter Young, Parker Nolan, Enrique Bradfield Jr. Can all give you, um, you know, and and, you know, we'll, we'll see. And there, there's going to be curve balls within the season, right? Like, Fingers crossed, nobody gets significantly hurt, but you lost Carter Young for a couple of games last year. You lost Tate Colwick for a handful of games, so it happens, right? It just, it flat out happens, Um, and Troy Laniv hasn't even had much of an opportunity just yet. Matt Polk, Gavin Cassis, some guys on the bench are, are all potential difference makers if given the opportunity, so you know, uh, Coach Corbin makes the point all the time that you win with, you win with juniors and seniors. You don't win with freshmen. Um, you know, there's something to be spe- said about having elite freshmen, right? Uh, nobody's going to sneeze at the season that Kamar Rocker had as a freshman or Jack Leiter had as basically a freshman. Um, but but uh, the depth, the experience, the, the will, the want to, the guts, the intangibles, all of that sort of stuff you got upperclassmen up and down this lineup, you know, Jones being a junior and Keegan being a senior and Colwick being a senior and young being a junior and Nolan being, you know, we'll see where it all goes. Um, We'll see where it all goes, and 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 honestly, Chris, the the thing about all of this is I'm the most excited about the pitching staff. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm the I, pitching staff than I am about yeah. the offense, and I'm still pretty excited about the offense.
1: Yeah, there's. I'm trying to ration the content here a little bit because I could spend every podcast <laughs> talking about the pitching staff. I'll just I'll give you my opinion. I have a feeling yours isn't far off, <sighs> Andrew. There's just so many pieces there. And that's what they lacked a year ago. You're just like, okay, rocker, lighter, Maldonado, and then McIlvain would, would, you know, could give you some innings, but it might not always be, you know, the innings those other guys gave you. And then after that, you had Murphy, and then I think I'm forgetting somebody, but it it dropped off Good from prime there. pitchers. Yeah, Good it prime dropped pitchers. off precipitously, and then it got really ugly at the end. I, I'm not. I'm not. I've seen enough baseball to where I try not to jump to conclusions against Army, Hawaii, and so on, but I feel like I've seen enough baseball uh, to know what I'm watching. I feel like I have seen enough baseball uh, of Tim Corbin's managing and Scott Brown's managing to feel like I know they get talent and develop it. And I just have a really good feeling about that pitching staff.
0: I do too. Um, and I think I've made this point on the podcast or I've made it other places. And I try to do it so freakishly delicately um, because you don't want to ever imply that you don't want a Kamar Rocker or you don't want a Jack Lighter. Uh Clearly, you do. Having said that. And I think it works across sports, too. Uh, sometimes when you have such a dominant force on a team, it creates a sense and maybe a false sense at times of security. Well, we've got Kamar going, so we'll be fine. Or we've got Jack going, so we'll be fine. I'm not implying that a season ago other people didn't try. They certainly did. But when there's such a such a big star at the front, sometimes it, it it sucks up the oxygen and everybody in really critical moments says, okay, well, this guy is going to get it done. And, and that's great. And again, you still want those guys. I don't want to ever imply that you don't want those guys. There is something to be said about a team structure where you know all of the pieces must perform at their highest to be successful. And, and I get the sense with this team that that is the feeling. Chris McIlvain doesn't have the star power of a Kamar rocker, but he has taken that Friday role so far and run with it. So they're performing at a really high level while also you get the sense that there is just a team makeup with this group, a team mentality with this group. And I don't necessarily know what that is. I'm not saying it's inherently better or worse than, than the other structure that I implied, but there is something I've just seen teams, especially in basketball too, where it's like, you've got this one guy or two guys or one girl and two girls and, and everybody starts to ball watch in the big moments because of that, Yep. because of that feeling. Um, and, and I don't know that you're going to get that with this group. I guess that's my point, right? Everybody understands, I could be wrong, right? Like we'll see where it goes um, as the season progresses. But at the moment, The feeling I get with this group is a collective effort, not a, well, Jack and Kamar are just going to carry us. And and again, I'm not trying to overly imply, I was here for the College World Series last year. I I didn't see every single game, so I don't want to over imply anything from a season ago. But you've seen it, I've just seen it with other teams uh, in the past at Virginia Tech uh, or elsewhere where it's, it's hard to not defer to the megastar, and there's, there's a lot of stars on this team and elite talent, but you just get a collective feeling from them. At least I do. I get a total. What's the difference between Spencer Jones batting third and Carter young batting eighth.
1: What, yeah. Not where's a lot the right huge now.
0: difference, right? Where's the huge difference there? So, you know, that collectively, um, it's not, it's not like, oh, we'll just wait till the three-spotted in the order comes up and then that guy's going to hit a home run and we're going to win the game. It's one through nine we need to produce. And, and that's a feeling that I enjoy.
1: Well, let me, let me slice this another way too or add a different layer to it, I guess. Um, and then I got one more question before I'll, I'll let you out of here. but um, or, or two more, actually. I'm thinking about it this way too. Like, under no circumstance would you not want lighter and rocker back. Like, if if you said, no, "Hey, right. Tim Corbin, right. could you have one or both?" Oh, well, of course. I mean, that's the that's the easiest rocker, answer. Rocker was rocker was at the banquet.
0: and yeah. Corbin made that joke, right? Yeah, it was it was a joke. But if but if Rocker said, "Well, you know what? Maybe we can figure out a way to make it work." <laughs> yeah, then, then he stuff. would then then he they, they, yeah, they, they, they would. They would they would try to find a way even like, I don't, I'm not saying that they could, right. right. I'm sure there's some NCAA muck in there, but right. Like if,
1: if, if, Rocker goes, well, you know what, you know, why don't I just play for you guys this year? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> take you. But you know, here's, here's the flip side of that, right. Um, anytime Rocker and lighter went out there, they could give you nine innings Doing it the way they're doing it this year, like you you made the point on Riley. You know, you could see McElvain go four and Riley go two. Well, here's the thing, and, and this really trickles down further down the staff. You're seeing guys like maybe Bryce Cunningham, Devin Futrell, uh maybe Nelson Burke, which I, I want to ask you. Yeah. Right. You what what here's the here's the way I'm meaning it. Those guys are all coming back for more years after this, and now you get to develop them too. Whereas, if that's the case, I I guess want to make. I think this helps you out a little bit more this year, you know, next year, and the year beyond with the pitching structure this way, because more guys get a chance to pitch. I think that's all fair.
0: Um, You know, my analysis oftentimes is fairly reductive, but I will always go back to depth. The greatest teams, any sport, have crazy, freakish depth. And I'm not breaking news. Fandy Baseball has done that for darn near a decade now, where the depth just keeps coming. Um, and I don't know if any one of these guys is necessarily a future first-rounder, a future jack-lighter, a future top-ten pick, or not. Um, but if you told me one of them turns into Kyle Wrights, the guy that comes out of the bullpen, is really, really good as a freshman, that but then turns into a great starter as a sophomore and a junior, and all of a sudden is a first-round draft pick, at top, would, it, would it surprise you if Grayson Carter becomes that?
1: Yeah. I don't know that it would. Well, somebody somebody on this staff is going to, yes, because that's the way it always <laughs> happens. Right. Well, and it's, it's not a birthright, right? Like I, I, the risk of being
0: the new guy and saying it's not a birthright, it's not a birthright. It's just the, 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 the machinery that has been developed feels automatic, but it's not over there in that baseball office. Uh, it's, it is the, it's the culmination of a pair of decades worth of work by this coaching staff and just the unbelievable culture. uh they've created, uh, it, it's, Again, not to be the new guy, this first round MLB talent is not a birthright. It's the depth is, I'm telling you, like it's silly, it's absolutely silly. Walking, and you know, Vandy fans that have been here before, Tim Corbin understand it too. So I'm not, you know, it's not like Vandy has been the baseball powerhouse for a hundred years. It's because of what Coach Corbin has done, more or less they're just walking in the steps of Tulane or walk in the steps of Virginia tech. It's just teams across the country would, would, would kill to have Grayson Carter or Devin Futrell kind of just like figuring things out as a freshman. Everybody else says, uh, no, sorry, Grayson, you're the best player on the team. Go throw.
1: <laughs> right, right. So that's,
0: it's you have to, we don't have a choice. It, you know what I'm saying? It goes back to the same thing with, with Pat Riley, or Nick Maldonado, or any one of those guys. It, it's, a, a anybody else in the country, Like, if you've got, if you got Pat Riley, he has to be a weekend starter. You don't have a choice. He has to be a weekend starter. Here, you can go, well, you know, Pat's a little bit better coming out of the bullpen, so we can do five with McIlvain and four with Riley, and we feel pretty good about winning every single Friday. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. That's, that sounds... If you can pull it off, more power to you. It's just, it's it's unbelievable the options that they have from a depth standpoint, just flat out because of what Coach Corbin and Coach Brown and back to Coach Johnson and Bakich and Josh Holiday what they've all done over the
1: course of 20 years. Um, one more pitching thing and then one offensive lineup question. Burke, which didn't get used this weekend, um, I didn't catch if anything was going on there. Do you know anything on that?
0: I don't think anything's going on there. Uh, he was on the trip. Um, nothing looked out of, out of the ordinary there. So, Too um, many arms. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there's a lot of arms. There's a lot, a lot of arms. Um, and, and sometimes it's game situation. I mean, the scores were – I do think, I think Berkwich – I think Berkwich was warming up in the eighth or the ninth on, on the Sunday game. I'm pretty sure about that. So I didn't know if they were going to run. Yeah, because he was the lefty they were warming up in the bullpen. I didn't know if they were going to run Schultz out there again for the bottom of the ninth because he had just pitched in the bottom of the eighth or if they were going to go to somebody else. uh, And Berkwich was getting loose. So uh, too many arms, game situation stuff. Like, it's 13-1. to Like, you'd rather ryan ginther throw a couple of innings to say that he can throw a couple of innings or you know get whoever it is you know get 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 a few more innings for hunter owen because you think he can be that kind of guy coming come the but whatever right there's yeah. there it's it felt situational to me uh, he was on the trip and i'm pretty sure he was warming up on sunday
1: yeah well i think if he's warming up that that answers the question because you know you start to think well is is he hurt or unavailable or something but if he's warming up then that means he's He's good enough to use. And um, you know, again, just it's it's the same thing we keep talking about. There's there's only so many names to go around. But one other thing that did pique my curiosity, you saw Bulger catch twice this weekend. Again, it was an unusual series. I don't want to read something into that, but should we? I don't think so. Um,
0: I think they like the combination, and we've seen it a couple of times now of Jack Bulger throwing with a. Uh, carter Holton, which is something i think we touched on maybe a couple of weeks ago um, the fact that bulger is a great receiving catcher but if you had to say whose arm strength was better bulger or dom keegan i think at the moment they believe keegan's arm strength is better so you pair bulger with the freshman lefty so the lefty holds the runner on a little bit better and gives Boulder a better opportunity to throw the runner out. So I think that's right. the pairing that they like there. Uh, and and I and I think the I could be wrong again. I didn't like go up to Coach Corbin or Coach Brown and ask this particular question. Um, but uh, and we'll see. I guess with the doubleheader here this weekend, um, I think it was more a product of four games in three days and also a lot of flying, a lot of travel. Uh, no reason to put additional innings on on dom keegan that's unnecessary
1: okay i'm out of questions any parting thoughts anything that you guys want to announce on behalf of the school your podcast uh, whatever the floor is yours to do that
0: my goodness what a crazy opportunity
1: Um, (laughs) uh you could go on a while
0: couldn't you (laughs) no nothing crazy uh just as always we appreciate people uh pulling us up listening um you know, we have a, a ton of fun calling these games. So, you know, whether you're flipping back and forth between the SEC Network Plus or our, our radio broadcast, WNSR 959560, VU Commodores Game Day app. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, hopefully the men's basketball team continues to make their run 933 Classic Hits and the VU Commodores app for Kevin and Tim. Um, we appreciate people pulling us up and just, you know, taking us in in whatever chunks they take us in. So, um, we have fun calling the game, so it's always fun to hear from fans.
1: Andrew, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Chris, a distinct pleasure. <laughs>